Okay, good morning everyone. Um, Let me just turn on your Bible to Matthew chapter 3 as we continue on uh, in the book of Matthew. We've been through the Christmas story last week. We went um, to Egypt with Mary and Joseph um, as they fled from Herod and now we're just moving on in time a wee bit. Some years, 30 odd years have passed uh, and now both John and, and Jesus are men and we're just going to look this morning uh, at John the Baptist. Okay, so Matthew chapter 3 and we're going to read on to four, uh, verse 16 to read this together. In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing them, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children from Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptized you with water for repentance, but after me comes the one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And we'll just end our reading there. If somebody said uh, to me this morning, you've got one minute just to sum up what's going on here. One minute and then we'll go down and we'll have a cup of tea. Then if we break this down into three three bits, there'd be three points. The first point would be this, verses one to six. It will be repent and be baptised. The second point, verses 7 to 10, would be this. It would be repent and be baptised. And from verses 11 to 12.3, you guessed it. It would be repent and be baptised. And you may be saying right now, that is brilliant, David. Um, Message received and understood, best sermon ever. Um, Let's go and sit down and we'll have a cup of tea. But I'm afraid not. There's there's so much to learn from John here, um, from his message of repentance. Firstly, about John himself. Who was he? Um, And secondly, about these two words that he uses so much. Repent and baptise. Who was John? What does it mean to repent? What does it mean to be baptised? Do we need to be baptised today? I want to just take this morning to break this passage down a little bit and just see what we can learn from it and see what John has to say to us. So just keep your Bible open. We'll just work through the verses. Um, we're going to begin just in verses 1 to 6. John had a main point which was to repent, but let's just look at it a bit deeper. His first point in 1 to 6 was repent because Jesus is near. God had been silent for 400 years. Remember we looked at that back in Malachi, God would go quiet. There'd been no prophet since Malachi. And that gap in your Bible with a white page signifies that 400 years where God uh, was silent. 
But then John appears on the scene here. Uh, and he was prophesied by both Isaiah and Malachi. John turns up and John didn't preach in church. He didn't preach in the temple. He preached in the desert. <coughs> John wore rough clothes made of camel's hair. So he wouldn't have fitted into the church or the temple anyway. Uh, like Bear Grylls, he ate what he could find in the desert. And in his case, it was locusts and wild honey. So when John turns up, what was his first word to uh, Israel after 400 years? What was God's message through John to the people? It was repent. So what does it mean to repent? It's important that we understand that today. We hear it when John says it, but what does it mean? Now, I just want you to imagine tonight when you all get into the bus and David's driving. Now, imagine he takes the wrong road. What happens if he turns left on the shore road? He's going to end up in Lorne. And what should he do after he travels down that road for a few miles and maybe Judith keeps him right and says, David, you're on the wrong road. What has he to do? He's to turn around and go. That's right, Liz. He's to go turn around and go completely on in another direction. Because if he didn't, he'd end up in Lorne. And who wants to end up in Lorne? Verse 5, if your Bible still open, tells us that many people were turning up and listening to John's message. And John's message to them was to repent. Turn from your sin, turn around, and go in a completely different direction. See, very sadly, in our culture, in our evangelical Protestant culture, it's easy to get confused here. It's easy to get this wrong, because there's a very false and a very popular teaching that says just come to Jesus and nothing needs to change. Just say the right words, pray the right prayer, raise your hand in the meeting and then get on with your life. But that's not what John's saying here. There was a German pastor, his name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He called this cheap grace. Cheap grace, but that's not what John was speaking about here. John says repent, turn around and go in a different direction and then be baptised. We've got to be sorry for our sin. There's no doubt about that. That's the beginning of repentance. But then we change the things that need to be changed in our lives. See, Luke 3 also records this account of John. But Luke includes a little more detail. There's no need to look it up. But in Luke 3, Luke tells us how after hearing John's message, the people were convicted. It got to their hearts and went right to their hearts and they asked the question what then shall we do John answers them and his answers are very very specific and he said to those of you who are living a selfish life tells you that you have to share he says if you've got two coats give one of them away talk to the tax collectors and they weren't a very popular people at the time he told them to stop swindling people out of money and stop keeping it for yourself John spoke to the Roman soldiers too. He told them to stop threatening people. They were known for their violence. told them to stop threatening people and stop extorting money out of them. And he said to them, instead be content and be content with your wages. What John's really saying to people is here that if they're really sorry, if they're really sorry for their sin, then they've got to change from the person that they were to the person who Jesus wants them to be. The same thing goes for us too. Same message still uh, applies. If we're truly sorry, 
for our sin, then we've got to stop doing it, whatever that is. Turn around and go in a different direction. John was very specific to the people that were listening to him. And it's the same for us. If we tell lies when it suits us from now on, if we call ourselves Christians, we've got to stop it. We've got to turn and go in a different direction. If we're fiddling our benefits or our taxes, then we've got to stop it. We've got to be honest, honest in all of our dealings. Gossip is our way of life. Then that needs to be put behind and move off in a different direction. John warned people to turn away from their sin. He warned them to turn away, but he also warns them to turn to something. And he's warning them to turn away, but he tells them to turn towards Jesus. Look at verse 2. He says, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven has come near. God's been born as a baby, and he now walks among you. The kingdom of heaven is near. Verse 3. John was preparing the way for the Lord. He's telling the people to turn from their sin and turn toward Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is now near. Let's look at another thing. We're going to look um, on down verses 7 to 10. John had another message here and it was repent because your actions don't match your words. Your actions don't match your words. There's a book, maybe somebody's read it, it's called how to win friends and influence people. You say, obviously, David, you, you would need to read that. You haven't read that. John the Baptist hadn't read it either. See, if we were to organise a special service, say a baptismal service, and we invited people to come along, or people just turned up to see what we're about, what do we do? We welcome them. We welcome them in. We shake their hand and we give them a cup of tea, don't we? But some visitors came and turned up at John's baptismal service uh, at the river this day. And he sees them coming. How does he greet them? Have a look at your Bible. He says, you brood of vipers. In other words, he's saying, you family of snakes. What a welcome to church. This was no family friendly seeker service. And John was angry. He was livid. So what was John's problem with these people? The thing is, they were supposed to be the religious leaders of the day. But they had swaggered proudly into John's service by the river and they were assuming that they were all that they assumed that as far as it went with God that, that they were the people and they had it all sorted out truth was they didn't know God at all and their faith was in their grandfathers and their heritage their faith was in their attendance at church their faith was in their circumcision when they were babies. Their faith was in the symbols of religion. And they didn't want to know God at all. Just over 25 years ago, um, Pamela and myself were married. And we said some vows and we exchanged rings. The ring, This ring is a symbol that we're married. But what happens? what happens if I take it off? Are we still married? Still married? Is marriage over? Of course not. Ring, this ring is just a symbol. That's all it is. It's just a symbol of the actual marriage itself. And these guys had confused. They had confused symbols of the relationship with God as the relationship with God. 
And to make matters worse, they were proud. They were proud of it. We've talked about repentance, but if you want to see what religion looks like without repentance, then have a look at these guys. Their actions didn't match their words. They loved going to the temple. They loved dressing up in their Sabbath best. They loved telling other people how to live without actually doing it themselves. They loved the symbols. But they didn't love God and they didn't know God. So what does John say to them? Look at verse 8. Here's what he says to them. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. After he's really insulted them, he, he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And there's a message here for us too. Pamela will tell you that I am not a gardener. But I know this, and you know this too. If you see a tree with apples on it, you're fairly sure what that tree is, aren't you? What is it? It's an orange tree? It's an apple tree. Well done, Alec. If you see an orange tree... If it has oranges on it, it's an orange tree. Somebody said if it has bananas, it's a banana tree. And you get the idea. John says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. See... If we see someone who claims to love Jesus, and they've changed from the person that they once were to uh, the person that they are now, to somebody who's trying to be like Jesus, then we can be fairly sure that that person is a Christian. Fruits in keeping with repentance. Works the other way around as well. If we see someone who claims that they're a Christian, but there's no change in their life, there's no fruit in keeping with repentance, then our alarm bells should be ringing. No change in the language that they use, no change in the company that they keep, no change in their priorities of where they go to or how they spend their money, no interest in reading the Bible and no interest in prayer, no fruit in keeping with repentance. And it's a dangerous thing to assume that you're a Christian if there's been no change. We can't claim to know Jesus if we haven't repented. Don't rest easy on the symbols of churchianity. Don't be fooled by it if you're not doing the things that Jesus asks you to do. But I want you to understand this this morning. I'm not talking about perfection here. When we make a genuine decision to trust Jesus, to turn around and go in a different uh, direction when we trust in Jesus and his cross when we repent from that moment on we're going to make mistakes there's no doubt about that we will make mistakes but the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins Jesus will be faithful to forgive them so a Christian should repent and should repent daily and we will grow if we fall or we make a mistake then we confess it to Jesus and we pick ourselves up and we'll move on knowing that we're forgiven. Don't let that pull us down. So the fruit of repentance that John talked about will grow daily in our lives and other people will see it. Other people will see it. So what about baptism? I've already said that it's just a symbol. It doesn't save either as a baby or an adult. Baptism does not save. Get that clear in your head. It makes no difference um, 
whether as a baby or an adult. But it is something that we are required to do as believers. The people that came to John who had truly repented, he baptized them. The baptism symbolized the change that had taken place in their lives. It symbolized the washing away of their sin. It expressed their faith clearly to their relatives and their friends around them. If you're a believer and you haven't yet been baptized, then this should be your next step. So if you have that thought in your mind, come and speak to us. We'd only be too glad uh, to hear from you. If you've repented and turned away from your old life, then the scripture tells us to believe and be baptized. As a symbol of the new relationship with Jesus. As a symbol of your sins forgiven. As a witness to your friends and family. And most importantly, as a symbol that we share in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Look on down to verses 11 and 12. John says, repent because Jesus will either be your saviour or be your judge. Let's just read verse 11. If your Bible's open, let's read it again. I baptise you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's main task in the short life that he had was to prepare the way for Jesus. John knew and understand, understood sorry, who Jesus was. And he says here that he wasn't even worthy to carry or to untie, whatever version you're using, Jesus' sandals. John said, I'm not even worthy to do the job that a slave would do. John's wanting us to know that it would be the one who comes after him, as in Jesus, who would be the real thing. And he's telling the people here that Jesus is the one that you have been waiting for. He is the Messiah, not me. Jeremiah and Malachi both told us hundreds of years before that John the Baptist would come. But the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus. John is only the messenger. And John makes that clear. There's both encouragement and severe warning in verse 11, the verse that we've just read. John says, I baptized you with water as a symbol. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Two things. Two things. Let's look at the first one. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John said here, my water baptism is just a symbol. It's a symbol of something else. But Jesus is here now. Kingdom of heaven has come near. And one day soon, he will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Your bodies will literally be his temple. God will live in you. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will be your comfort. You're going to be given the power and the ability to live this new life after you've repented. The Holy Spirit is going to be how this new relationship, this new covenant relationship will work. And the change that people will see in you after you've repented will be the fruit of that Spirit. And we know those, don't we? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. But what about the last part of John's statement? He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
and fire. And there's a warning of judgment here to those who don't repent. Let's read verse 12 just before we, we close and, and we look uh, at what John means by this. So verse 12, just read it together. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. don't know if anybody's old enough to remember the days before mechanical farm machinery. I'll not look up, just in case there is. Everything was done by hand. And to separate the wheat from the stalk and the chaff, as in the useless stuff, the wheat from the useless stuff, the farmer would first trample it down on the floor and then he'd use his fork, think big spade, rather than a wee fork. Joan calls it the winnowing fork and then the farmer lifts it all and he throws it up into the air. Now there would have been a draft coming through the barn that would have separated it. The wheat is going to fall to the floor to be gathered by the farmer but the useless stuff blows away in the wind and it's separated. And the farmer in John's scenario takes the useless stuff that's left, the chaff it's called in the verse, and he burns it. He takes it away and he burns it. What John's trying to tell us here is very, very simple. John knew that he was talking to religious people. People who grew up with the Old Testament. As children they grew up with the same stories that you and me grew up with. David and Goliath and Daniel and Moses and Joseph. We know them all. These people went to church every week. They knew the commandments. If you were able to take a a step back and look at them from a distance, they would look like what we would call good God-fearing people. But God could see right into their hearts. And he could tell who was religious who was just going through the motions, who were dependent on the symbols, who hadn't repented, and he could see those who had repented, who genuinely wanted to know him. See, John's repeating here the last thing that Malachi had said. When the last prophet spoke, John, the next prophet after 400 years, repeats almost the same thing, and it's this, that there's two types of people in a church amongst religious people in this passage he calls it the wheat and the chaff and Jesus would talk later on about the sheep and the goats the saved and the lost someday in the future like this farmer and his winnowing fork God will for all eternity separate the wheat from the chaff the sheep from the goats and the saved from the lost we have that choice Jesus will either be our saviour or our judge see on hearing this message the people asked what shall we do some people understood and grasped John's message and they understood that the consequences of an unrepentant an unchanged life will be eternal. We all know Romans six twenty three: the wages of sin is death. Eternal punishment, eternal separation. So we would do well to ask ourselves that question today: what shall we do? 
The wages of sin is death. But here is the good news. Here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. John began calling the people to repent. But why? Because the kingdom of heaven had came near. Good news is that we still live in the days of grace. There's forgiveness for those who ask. There's eternal life for those who are prepared to turn around and go in a different direction. Turn away from sin and turn towards Jesus. Kingdom of heaven has come near. And in order to buy his people back from this death sentence that sin, sin brings, Jesus came near. Born as a baby in Bethlehem, he lived a sinless and a perfect life. And this most innocent of men was crucified instead of his people. And while we're alive in these days of grace, we have that opportunity to repent and to avoid this awful condemnation that sin brings. As we finish now, I just really hope that you're asking that question too, if you haven't already done this. What shall we do? And if you are, remember John the Baptist's message. It's easy. Repent and be baptised. Because Jesus is near. And because that offer for Jesus to be our saviour and not our judge still is available to those who repent today. Thank you for listening. Just going to hand back to Pamela.